Cow Dog Hour, episode 21. Essential. Dog Hour is upon us. Episode 21. This is going to be some of the most premier anthropology in the game, breaking things down before they happen, letting you know what's going to come. Because as a fiction author, I can see through narratives. I know what's going to happen next. For the most part, we got to talk about mental health in the NFL and the biggest operation in the game that I think is currently happening and is currently underway. We're going to talk about Tom Brady. We're going to talk about nature itself in the game. We're going to talk about the obvious establishment and the not-so-obvious establishment because so many people get caught up with the heroes that are placed before you within the not-so-obvious establishment. We're going to talk about the term op, which means opposition or controlled opposition. And we're going to talk about the nature of an op. What is an op? And I think it comes down to two things. I think that's compromisation, being compromised, or being incentivized, simply incentivized. And somebody can be a tool of the establishment if they're just paid or if they're in a blackmail situation. And I think it's often that simple. Or oftentimes somebody is controlled opposition or part of the beast. They have no idea. Or... There's another option where they genuinely think they're sort of fighting the establishment. They're exactly a part of the establishment. And then there's us, anthropologists, who study the game from the perspective of Steve Irwin, where we make our own lives awesome through local tribal efforts, nutrition, things that matter, you know, family relations, friendships, fruitful relationships, things of that nature. But at the same time, we study the game and we're sort of removed from the outcomes because we're a little bit smarter than 99% of people over here at the Owl Dog Hour. The ultimate anthropological chair, if you will, the ultimate anthropological viewing station. Now, we're going to get into it. We got to get into the forefront of what is on my mind. That is Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the incoming football season, and some ops that I think are underway. Now, something I've been sort of obsessed with, not obsessed with, but just been thinking a lot about is the fact that Aaron Rodgers, you know, second best quarterback in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks ever statistically. Uh, he's a fucking stud on the football field. We got to keep it real in that regard. He goes on a podcast with Aubrey Marcus, and we're going to talk about Aubrey Marcus because Aubrey Marcus, I do believe, is the most dangerous operative in the game. He is a alleged CEO of Onnit, which is this overpriced health company. If you go to Aubrey Marcus's Instagram. Every other post, he's pushing psychedelic drugs, uh, whether it's DMT, ayahuasca, psilocybin mushrooms. And we're going to talk about these drugs because this is the next op that's coming, is the legalization of psychedelic drugs. And I do believe it will be done, firstly, 
with a public relations campaign using football players specifically, okay, on podcasts, talking about mental health as a prerequisite for the public to accept the idea of psychedelic drugs being legal. Now, I think that damn near everything in nature, okay, can be used by the right person at the right time in the right amount. That being said, we have to look at what the legalization of marijuana has resulted in. And I have a great case study because I've been in Massachusetts where I think pot's been legal since 2019, 2018, 2017, somewhere around there. I think 2018 it became legal. And, And then 2019, the stores started rolling out. And in my view, it's been a disaster. And I'm somebody, I used to smoke blunts every day, okay? I used to be an enthusiastic weed smoker. But once it became legal, I stopped because the legal pot is disgusting. And there's something off about it. And all you have to do is go into some of these stores and see the clientele and you realize that this is not, this is not it. This is like a fucking fast food joint. I got to get the hell out of here. And then we saw, I saw personally the commercialization of marijuana where if you go on any Massachusetts highway, you will see billboards, you will see uh, giant signs everywhere for marijuana dispensaries. And it's got a real fast food vibe. It's overall disgusting. And um, it's not what I thought it was going to (laughs) be. When I was like a 2015 libertarian, I thought that the legalization of marijuana would lead to a cultural economic renaissance. And I was wrong. I was dead wrong about that. But we have to look at the parallels, right? Between the legalization of marijuana and what I do believe is the incoming legalization of psychedelic drugs under the guise of mental health. Now, I've tweeted about this, and I want to go into more into detail here on the Al Dog Hour, the anthropology special. Um, the playbook to me seems pretty clear, and I'm going to tell you what I'm seeing. I'm going to tell you what I think the signs are of things to come and some potential um, other installments of these psychological operations that will affect the public, but not us. I'm betting down on the public. I'm really down on the general public, to be honest with you guys, and that's okay. But if you're here listening with us today, or if you follow me on Twitter, or if you're on the email list, I'm betting on you. I'm betting on us because I think we're going to have a better perspective and better tools moving forward than 99.9% of the public because we're going to know what's coming. We're going to know how to prepare and most importantly, we're going to laugh our asses off um, because, like I've been saying, buckle up. If you think we're in clown world now, buckle up because once the normies start using psychedelic drugs, I mean, it's going to be a literal circus even more so than it already is, and that is very difficult not to see the humor in because I think it's going to get... Right now, it's ridiculous, society, and that's okay. I don't care. But I think it's going to get outrageous, and I think that is going to be truly funny, and I think we're all going to be in a good position moving forward um, because we're viewing things sort of like we're in a theater and we're almost kind of watching. We're acting 
in the theater because we're out in the real world, but at the same time, we're anthropologists, as I said. So, Aaron Rodgers, NFL MVP, you have to look at what he did. He set himself up very, very nicely for his revelation that he took psychedelic drugs, specifically ayahuasca, which is a, uh, a brew. It comes from a root or something typically used down in South America where these Westerners, these, you know, hippy dippy Westerners, they go down to South America, they trip balls with a shaman and then they come back and then they act intellectually and spiritually superior to everybody else. They develop a huge superiority complex after they take these psychedelic drugs, they trip balls naked in the jungle and then they think they're better than everybody else. That's typically what happens when people go down and do these ayahuasca sessions. They just act like they're so smart afterward, when in reality, it's simply a vibration. And when it comes to psychedelic drugs, I do believe that people vibrate at specific frequencies when they take those drugs. And I do think that the establishment has tapped into those frequencies and those frequencies are controlled. So we're going to see a slow rollout, similar to what we saw with marijuana, where first it'll be culturally normalized and eventually legalized. You're already seeing the seeds of this. The seeds have been planted a long time ago, actually, going back to the you know 1960s with Timothy Leary and other controlled opposition like Terrence McKenna, Dennis McKenna, straight up like CIA agent type guys. Um just disgraceful. And the way these things become normalized is through culture, is through celebrities. I think we're going to specifically see it with football players under the guise of mental health. Now, if you haven't checked this out already, go to my YouTube channel, which is Chadcast on YouTube, and check out my interview with NFL legend Kyle Turley. Because, you know, football players, they go through a lot. Like I said on the last episode, football is not a sport. Football is a straight-up military strategy simulation with offense, defense, communications, um, throwing bombs like I used to do. You know what I mean? So it's important to keep that in mind. It is the modern-day arena. It's more than just a sport, right? And these players, they go through a lot of shit when uh, they retire and when their careers are over. And in between games, because the concussion thing is very real, okay? Now, here's what I'd like to say about that whole issue. If you check out that interview, he talks a lot about how he struggled, you know, with mental health, physical health, and how he turned to cannabis in order to sort of rehabilitate rehabilitate himself after his career. All pretty understandable, because for him, the cannabis was a much safer much more usable alternative to the pharmaceutical drugs that he was just prescribed with, like tons and tons of pharmaceutical drugs. He found that using marijuana helped him after his career was over. And that's totally understandable. When I played football, I used to smoke hella weed after the game um, because I would play the whole game. And then to recover, I would just smoke and chill. So these things are understandable. But when we... Which is exactly why I think football players will be used and potentially other athletes will be used to sort of normalize it culturally. We have to look at the parallels with marijuana, right? Uh, 
2012 was a big year for marijuana legalization uh, movement. And the way that happened was through rappers. Rappers like Wiz Khalifa, Lil Wayne, others, Currency, another big one, basically normalized the excessive use of marijuana. So what that did is it raised the threshold culturally where if these guys are smoking weed all day, every day, and they're successful and they're open about it and they put it on video, it's been more normal, more normalized to all the teenagers that are listening to their music like I was, right? So when it comes to something like Wiz Khalifa, right, he was actually one of the first to really smoke weed in uh, music videos. That wasn't a thing. Uh, as early back as like 2010, 2011, that wasn't a thing. You were a bold motherfucker if you put real weed in your music videos. He was doing it to a pornographic degree, as was Lil Wayne, as was Currency. But those 2010, 2010 to 2015 was the cultural normalization of excessive marijuana use. And we saw that through the rappers. It was culturally normalized. Now... What I think is going to happen, and I'm telling you, I'm probably 99% right about this, is that football players after, and I've partaken in this, right? You see that with the Kyle Turley interview. Football players after their career will go on podcasts, big podcasts, um, and they will talk about their struggles with mental health after their career. They will talk about potential, obviously cannabis use, which is fairly open nowadays. And then a lot of them will talk about the fact that they used uh, psychedelic drugs, whether during, before, or after their career. Aaron Rodgers did something unprecedented, okay? And he's going to be sort of lionized by the uh, psychedelic community as a shining example of why it should be legalized and why everybody should do this shit is because Aaron Rodgers did it. Look, he did it, and then he become, became NFL MVP. He will be their shining beacon of light, and he will be used in arguments moving forward. Okay, because what he did was really interesting strategically, right? Because he allegedly takes these substances before the season, he wins on VP. Now, before the next season, he says, oh, okay, before the season where I won MVP, I tripped balls on ayahuasca and it really helped me, right? And this is where it gets a little deep um, because if you're curious about this Aubrey Marcus character, I recommend you go to BitChute, and there's a documentary by the man of a name of Matthew North, where he describes the backgrounds of Aubrey Marcus, Joe Rogan, and even Alex Jones. It's probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen on those guys. And it's just, just some kid doing a documentary, doing his own research. It was incredible. That's available on BitChute, Matthew North. And uh, I forget the name of it, but just DM me or just email me if you want to get the name of that documentary. But anyways, Aubrey Marcus is controlled opposition. He's like an intelligence front. He's being used um, by the MAPS organization to promote psychedelic drugs. And this is no secret. I mean, go to his page and it's, it's all about that. And, you know, he's best friends with Rogan. And it's like, oh, hey, cool. We're cool. We're athletic and we take psychedelic drugs. We're so cool, man. That's how it's presented to people. I bet you follow an influence, uh, you follow a fitness influencer that follows Aubrey Marcus. And you see this, and we talked about this in a prior episode. Become a subscriber today if you're listening for the first time. The typical trajectory with fitness influ influencers 
and I've personally witnessed this, is they get their big Instagram following, they become dopamine addicts, they become narcissists, and eventually that's not enough. Eventually they start taking psychedelic drugs and the same pattern, they act superior intellectually (laughs) and spiritually after they trip balls, right? They think they're so much better, they think they're so much more enlightened than everybody else. One thing psychedelic drugs do, as well as marijuana, they give people delusions of grandeur. They think um, that they're doing something so much more epic than what it truly is. This is what I think the play is right now with Tom Brady, okay? Now, Tom Brady, quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, has decided to take 14 days off, two weeks, two weeks off prior to the NFL season. This is unprecedented as well. What Aaron Rodgers did is unprecedented. What Tom Brady did is unprecedented. And I got to get this point out real quick before we get into Tom and what I think is going on there. You got to think how many young athletes specifically are going to take ayahuasca, are going to start taking psychedelic drugs because Aaron Rodgers did it. How many? We're talking millions um, that are influenced by these athletes, specifically Aaron Rodgers, right? So he did it. He set a precedent. He sent, I'm sorry, he set a precedent. He talked about it on a podcast openly. Millions of people are going to end up watching. And now how many young athletes are going to end up tripping balls and opening that door, which is totally unnecessary. There's not much going on there. It's a frequency that's most likely controlled, right? How many young athletes are going to end up doing that? Because I can guarantee you right now, millions of them have a more open mind about taking ayahuasca in South America with a naked shaman uh, because Aaron Rodgers did it, right? And when you think about Joe Rogan, you know, I got recent reports that Joe Rogan has never actually taken DMT, that he just promotes it. Yeah, It's that diabolical. Um, I think it was Owen Benjamin, the comedian. Uh, Joe Rogan's former tattoo artist had taken DMT before, and he asked Joe about it. And he says that Joe's never taken it. He just promotes it. (laughs) Ain't that a trip? Potentially, allegedly. That was reported by Owen Benjamin. Allegedly, Joe's former tattoo artist contacted Owen and said, yeah, this guy's a scumbag. He's, he's not even, he doesn't even do it. He just promotes it. That's a trip in itself. That's pretty wild to think about. That being said, when you really think about, one second, Joe, the toe Rogan, who I was a huge fan of in 2015, got to keep it real. How many people do you think have taken DMT, have taken psychedelic drugs, have become frequent marijuana users directly because of Joe Rogan's influence? In that sense, I strongly believe that Toe Brogan has more negative karmic energy than George W. Bush, and it's not even close. One million dead in Iraq is pretty bad, but the amount of people who have opened up a Pandora's box and potentially a portal to a demonic realm via psychedelic drugs, that's pretty substantial. That is pretty substantial. That's pretty dark stuff. He's a dark little midget magician, in my view. 
That being said, let's get back to Tom Brady. What I think is potentially happening. Based on very good exterior sources from myself, I have some good intel on this. Tom Brady taking 14 days off before the season starts. No quarterback has ever done this in NFL history, in um, football history. I can tell you, I'm a former high school quarterback. The idea of taking two weeks off prior to your first game is absolutely fucking bonkers insane. Now, what what do I personally think? I'm going to cut to the chase right now. I think he's going to be taking ayahuasca sessions with his wife, potentially in South America, um, and that's the play. I think he's going to replicate Aaron's play on a much larger scale. Now, we won't hear about this until potentially after the season or potentially after Tom's career is finally over. Because I'm fucking sick of it. I got to be honest with you. I respect the guy. I think he's awesome. Great quarterback, whatever. But here in New England, where I am, it's been multiple decades. No exaggeration. Since 2001, over two decades of false idol worship. Just all out ass kissing. It's disgusting. <laughs> I'm fucking over it, man. And I have been for a while. And I, at the same time, that's not a personal slight against him. It's just that here in New England, it's it's rather sickening, um, the amount of worship of this man. Saw a 50-year-old man recently wearing a jersey, and I was like, oh my God, you look like such a fucking idiot. <sighs> that being said, moving forward, that's the play um, that I think is underway here. Because if Tom takes psychedelic drugs like Aaron, it becomes completely normalized culturally. And now you can legalize it locally, if not federally. You know what I'm saying? Now, the things people point to are Tom Brady's wife. You, you're probably right with your inclinations there. And there's also a counter argument here. You could say, oh, Tom Brady's old. He's 44. Oh, he's pissed off. He tried to, you know, become an owner of the Miami Dolphins that backfired. Now he's pissed and he's uh, taking two weeks off. At the bare minimum, it's remarkably entitled and remarkably unprecedented. But there is a counter argument to my theory. I think my theory is 100% right. But to back up my theory, I have a source that shall remain nameless, a very good source who had an opportunity to do ayahuasca with Tom Brady's wife. And he turned it down. And I never really understood it, but now I do. Because I thought to myself, why Why would you turn that down? That sounds epic. But he probably sensed some darkness. That being said, I have a good source who has told me, not told me, but I have a good source that, yeah, she dabbles in that sort of stuff. So my question to you, the listener, is Aaron Rodgers just set a precedent. Tom Brady has just taken 14 days off before the season, completely unprecedented. What do you think is going on? And his wife dabbles into that stuff. Boom. It's fucking obvious. It's obvious. And I think the timeline is this. Banana pox is coming this fall. And I have to make a really serious point about banana pox in parallel with bolognaviral. And now I personally don't think bolognaviral is a real thing. Um, you know, the big thing between 2020 and 2022, I think it's, I think the human mind is so powerful that you can become sick if you genuinely think you're sick. That being said, why do people think it's real? Why did they, people think bolognaviral was real? Because they saw a cartoon online 
uh, Bologna viral, which occurred between 2020 and 2022, has never been, <laughs> it's never been seen under a microscope. It's literally just cartoons. They were showing cartoons on TV of Bologna. They were showing cartoons online of Bologna. What's the parallel with banana pox? The parallel is that right now we're, start, we're starting to see the propaganda campaign of really gross, really disgusting images of banana pox. So what happens to the human mind? The human mind thinks, oh, it's real because I saw disgusting pictures on the internet. You can't fake disgusting pictures on the internet. Just you, like you can't fake a uh, image of a Bologna viral via cartoon. That's got to be totally legit. All these NASA discoveries are totally legit. Check out this cartoon, right? So it's kind of a step up from the cartoons that most people are convinced by. With banana pox, it's like your mind is convinced because you saw the disgusting things online, the graphic things. We're going to see more graphic, disgusting images online, and that's going to convince 99% of people that it's real. I personally don't accept that. Now, I'm personally 0% worried about Bologna, and I'm 0% worried about banana pox because it's not going to affect my health. I can guarantee you that. And, But that's the parallel. And that's the timeline of events we're going to see is banana pox is most likely going to start, you know, within the year. Um, that'll be a big push for bananas. And then under the guise of mental health, we'll see the legalization of psychedelic drugs. Let's talk about mental health and why it's a meme. Because in my view, when you just talk about mental health, you separate the physical health and the spiritual health when really it's a trinity. Okay, when you strictly talk about mental health, you're not talking about physical health, you're not talking about spiritual health. You should be talking about all three. So mental health is the big thing that's pushed, but they don't talk about physical or spiritual, which is, <laughs> that's going to affect your mental health. Just like uh, the most basic example, if you're feeling shitty and then you go take a walk, you feel way better. Your physical exercise improved your mental health right? Now, if you get closer to God through nature or, or, ha or however you do it, right, that's going to improve your mental and your physical health. You'll never see the establishment talk about that. So anyways, banana pox, normalization, and eventual legalization of psychedelic drugs. Why? To get the general public on a specific vibration of fear that they potentially might accept a completely fake alien invasion. If you've been listening to this podcast, I've been talking about how Project Bluebeam is a long-term plan that's been in the works for about 100 years where a completely fake alien invasion occurs. Potentially religious figures are depicted in the sky. People buy into it. And then the establishment seizes control via the pandemonium via the um, overall just chaos and establishes more control. Something that's relatively simple, you know what I mean? Control through chaos, but on a grand scale via Project Blue Beam. I have been talking about how the pieces are in place <laughs> via giant influencers like Elon Musk, who is basically an actor. Um, even on the Full Send podcast, I saw a clip of this, um, Anomaly shared it. The Full Send podcast, it's like these really, really stupid, out of shape guys. But even them, they were like, 
hey, uh, how, how come we haven't been back to the moon? And then Elon Musk, like, bullshit. It's a pretty good answer. He's like, oh, well, uh, you know, it was like a leap forward in technology that we can't replicate, even though I'm this super genius, right? And it's quite revealing because it's obviously fake. But when you look at the landscape in the general public, it doesn't matter if somebody's left wing or right wing. They, uh, they think Elon Musk is this super genius who's traveling in space. Now, if he tells them there's a completely fake alien invasion happening, they will buy into it. Joe Rogan's in place for, um, you know, Project Bluebeam. He tells his listeners he's big on normaliz- normalizing the idea of aliens um, I've talked about this in detail, you know what I mean? Um, become a subscriber if you aren't already, but basically Project Bluebeam will be in play after Banana Pox, after the normalization and uh, legalization of psychedelic drugs under the guise of mental health. Let's switch it up because that's about all I got on the future plays of the establishment and what I think is happening, what I, what I think is going to happen, I'm telling you to put yourself in a good position, telling you to buckle up, <laughs> telling you to arm yourself with one of the best survival tools known to man, and that is humor. Humor is nothing short of a straight-up survival tool, and I think it's actually very important. Now, I want to briefly talk about the nature of an op. What is an op? A controlled opposition. Because most people are able to easily identify the establishment, but other people get caught up in what is called the not-so-obvious establishment. I'll give you specific examples. It's very easy to see that, you know, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, they're part of the establishment. But then you got the not-so-obvious establishment, guys like Donald Trump, guys like, you know, Elon Musk, Tucker Carlson, these guys are very likable, but they're ultimately part of the establishment. And you see people get caught up hero worshiping guys like that, when in reality, they're sort of more so concerned about their own personal status, their own personal legacy, and things of that nature. Now, How many people do you think are caught up in the not so obvious establishment? Guys like Joe Rogan, you know what I mean? They think they think he's like counter to the, you know, the CNN uh, establishment, right? He's not, he's playing a game to put things in context. When there's a left wing president in office, it's awesome for right wing media. They love it. That's the dirty secret. Fox news, Breitbart, you know, whatever you want to call right wing. They love it <laughs> from a business perspective when Obama's in office, when there's a Biden in office. Who do you think is doing great right now in terms of media production? It's the not-so-obvious establishment right-wing media. They love it. Now, counter to that, guess who absolutely loves it? They'll never say it, but they fucking love it when a Republican right-wing uh, president is in office. MSNBC it, it loves it. They're having a party every day. Everybody else on the left wing is in a frenzy of financial income and fake outrage whenever there's a Republican uh, in office. You see how it works. There's the left testicle and there's the right testicle. It's the same body, isn't it? And now that's not necessarily a bad thing. And in the beginning of the episode, I wanted to, I told you how I wanted to talk about ops. What is the op? What is a controlled opposition? Well, It's way more simple than people realize because it's not this nefarious thing where 
somebody is like trained. <laughs> Some of these influencers are are not being trained in Langley, Virginia to later become a social media influencer. No, it's, it's way more simple. They're just potentially financially incentivized to push a certain agenda or they're potentially compromised and now they have to push a certain agenda or they just simply play ball, whatever their game is. It's so much more simple than people think it is. You know what I mean? And we got to realize our neighborhood of Twitter has a ton of mentally ill losers and that's just a reality. Um, And they're constantly paranoid, constantly calling people (laughs) oppositions and things like that. I've been accused of that before. When I was working on the real Indian versus the fake Indian campaign in 2017, there were um, people within the Republican establishment that thought we were, they thought we were like DNC operatives, which I thought was hilarious. Um, I mean, you know, so whenever... I've been accused of that. I thought it was fucking hilarious. I thought it was like a sign of success because I've been like a lifelong conspiracy theorist myself. Um, now, a book I'm reading. It's called Nutrition and It's called Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Weston A. Price. Incredible book. And I want to close on this. We're going to close on some nutrition after we've pontificated the landscape of 2022 America. We're going to talk about nutrition. This is a great, great book. Now, out of all the nutrition books, there's two that stand out. It's Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Weston A. Price in a book called Deep Nutrition by a woman named, uh, I think, one sec. A woman named Catherine Shanahan, former nutritionist for the Los Angeles Lakers. Those are the two books that are probably most popular in the nutrition field. A book I would recommend is a book called Folk Medicine. It's like seven bucks um, by a Vermont country doctor, just folk medicine on Amazon. So this book I'm reading right now, and it's basically the same story every time. He goes to these primitive cultures and they eat a local ancestral natural diet and they have zero health problems. I mean, I'm sorry, not zero health problems, but zero dental problems in overall great health, great physique, great physiognomy. He travels to, you know, Yukon, Canada, you know, up, up way north. He goes to Alaska. He goes to Africa. He goes to Australia. He goes to New Zealand. He goes to Peru. He goes all over the world. He goes to parts of Europe where he finds, and this is, this takes place in the early 1940s, I believe. He goes all over the world And he um, talks to these primitive people, but they have great teeth. They have outstanding teeth. And then he goes to more modernized cultures where they're eating sugar, they're eating white bread, and they have fucked up teeth and they have fucked up health. And it's the same story over and over and over again. He He says that same story like basically every chapter is exactly like that within this particular book. But a few things that stood out to me was, you know, the most important thing is don't eat processed foods. That's huge. If I were to categorize three ways to eat, it would be local, ancestral, and seasonal. That's the most in tuned with nature. And I think that most people will get the best results if they were to do that. But here's something that's been tripping me out. Vitamin C. Now, when you think about vitamin C, I immediately visualize either a lemon or an orange. That's the image that comes into my 
head when I think about vitamin C. It's just wild to me that liver, animal liver, has one of the highest sources of vitamin C. Because in my mind, a liver and a citrus fruit are so much different. <laughs> They're so much different, right? And it's weird that they, they contain the same substance. In parallel, vitamin D, you get it through sunshine and you get it through milk. It's just been tripping me out that there's probably different types of vitamin D, but the same substance that's in sunshine is the same substance that's in vitamin D. Now, the sun most likely burns fat. Uh, a lot of people have been reporting on that. That seems to make sense. The more time you spend in the sun, the more likely you are to burn fat. I think it literally just burns it, like literally. Um, that's what I think is going on there. That's my theory. I just wanted to share that thought with you. Um, that's what I'm reading right now. Become a real subscriber. The Al Dog Hour, episode 21, is historical. And this is going to be free for uh, everybody. I might even put it on YouTube. Check us out on Spotify, guys. Go to the Owl Dog Hour Spotify. You can subscribe there if that's your preferred listening apparatus. But we're on our way up. We're building slowly every day. 18 paid subscribers. Become 19. Become 20. Because the Owl Dog Hour is truly upon us. And we're going to be laying down some of the best anthropology in the game while also being hilarious because humor is a survival tool and we're not only going to survive, we're going to fucking thrive and we're going to laugh our asses off uh, here on the Al Dog Hour. We will continue to ascend. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day. Have a great week. We're fucking rocking. Peace.